Cheers. Welcome back to the Chiz Ascendancy. Ooh, the body episode. Yeah, I figure I'll just get all the noises out of the way while you're ahead of the game. Oh, don't even get me started. Remember how long the heroin joke lasted? Literally nobody has gotten you started. You've done that yourself. You've well, done that yourself. That's true. I started myself, but then you also started, so now I'm on the roll. You're useless. Today we're talking about Jawas. We're talking about Jawas. Do you have uh, a Jawa sound bit on there? I might. I'll have to look. Maybe. While he's looking, we're talking about Jawas. Yeah. So, uh, here's the thing. If you uh, have been listening to our podcast and you haven't yet, please like this video, subscribe to our channel, find us on Instagram and Twitter, and hit that notification bell so that when we post a video, you guys are the first to see it. And spread the word, unless you're afraid of being called a nerd, in which case you are a nerd. But if you're not afraid to be a nerd, then you're not. I don't know how that works. But share share the podcast Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, let's grow this channel so we can do this full time. Somehow How I... How sick I, could that be? I don't have. Dead coming. All right, well, that was a flop. But still like this video and subscribe to the channel. <laughs> Today we're talking about Jawas per request. Uh, so that's the thing also. If you have something that you're like, oh, here's my favorite character or here's a favorite. Oh, I had a really cool um, request from my buddy um, Brandon, a.k.a. the Skeleton Astronaut on Instagram. Shout out, Brandon. Um, but he said you guys should do a um, top 10 ships of Star Wars. And he said, he even said, let's call it the rides of Star Wars. And I was like, oh, dang, you even got like a little twisty twist on it. And then he said, make sure it's your opinion, because if it's popular opinion, then of course Millennium Falcon has to be number one. But if it's just your opinion, then you can do whatever you want. And it gives you a good excuse. I already know my top ship in, in Star Wars Legends, at least. Ooh. Okay, go ahead. That's good. We gotta save it. Gotta save <laughs> so maybe that'll be next week. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but feel free if you guys have something that you're just super excited about, or if you have questions or whatever, please let us know because um, that's really one of the reasons we're doing this is because we enjoy talking about Star Wars, yeah. and so this is kind of cool. So uh, the same way that my friend Christian requested the Jar Jar episode, and we made his dreams come to life, um, your buddy, yeah, my friend Tim, Timothy, uh, I was his best man last year. He Ooh. recently celebrated his anniversary, so happy belated anniversary! Oh, Tim. this one's for your. Uh, this is your anniversary gift, Tim. Yeah, today he, we're talking about Jawas. He, as a joke, was like, "Hey, could you do an episode about Jawas?" And I was like, "Maybe." Is that a challenge? Yeah, we I could was, do an episode about anything. I was like, I don't know, and then I thought about it, and I was like, we totally could. Here's the thing, from that, we're going to talk a little bit about a story from that book. Uh, from a certain point of view, mm-hmm. which I'm super stoked about Empire version coming out this year. Yeah. Does that mean we have to wait like 20 more years for Phantom Menace of a certain point of view to come out? I it's sure every hope. Every movie 40th year? I sure hope not. Maybe they'll do 25th for, let's see, if 2019, no, 2019, yeah. So then it's 25th anniversary would be 2024, which coincides with Return of the Jedi's 40th. Dadgummit. Maybe they'll do both in one year. That will be cool. If they do both in one year, you heard it here first. <laughs> Four years earlier. But all that to say, there's a there's 40 short stories from uh, A New Hope or surrounding The New Hope. Um, in, Maybe they'll give all the writers a break and they'll only have like 25 short stories. No, no. Oh, that's true. It's 40 stories. Dang. Crap. I can't have my cake and eat it too. Oh, one shucks. year per story, Slim. I know. Okay, well, getting back to From A New Hope, they have a whole story about the Dianoga, which is literally the monster that goes... And if you're just yeah. listening to the audio, that's me using my hand as the Dianoga eyeball from the uh, trash compactor on the you Death Star. You know what's interesting is recently I was like, did I ever know the name of that creature? And it was like 3 in the morning, and I was in that you know twilight between waking and sleeping, and I was like, I need to know. And I Googled it, and I was doing research on that same topic myself here recently. Did I know that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. So all that to say, they made a whole short story on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's, man, you could, we could do an episode on almost anything. Yeah. Um, so today we are breaking down the Jawas. This is episode 27. Any news? Well, considering that this is like two days after we recorded our last episode since we're doing it ahead of time, no news. That I know of. Um, but this is actually a really cool um, 
episode. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because the more I thought about it, even though I think everybody in Star Wars just kind of hates him a little bit. Jawas? Yeah. Heck no. Who, who hates Jawas? Literally everyone on Tatooine. Okay, but in the real world, I'm saying. No, I'm saying in Star Wars. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're kind of the unsung heroes. They are, and we're going to tell you why today. All right, so let's just jump into this. Um, hey, I just want to give myself a little pat on the back because today's notes are off the charts. Also, on the iPhone where I make our notes. Josiah didn't know how to reduce the size of a picture, so instead of having a thumbnail, he has like a banner on notes literally after I keep, okay, so I printed directly from the notes app on my iPhone, and when I click on the picture to try to change the size, it would just blow up the picture on my phone to make it larger. So I kept being like, no, no, no. You know, reduce size. So I'm trying to just yeah, pinch the corner. You were having one of those things where Peter Griffin was trying to pick up the frog with the box and just kept dropping it. Kept sliding down the wall. Hey, Chris. Hey, I came to hear you up, buddy. Brought you a frog. Posting this is back so we can breathe. All right, you jack wagon. Well, I brought up the story. I get to make the joke. That's how it works. All right. Well, this episode's over. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so we're talking about Jawas. So, um, if you don't know what a Jawa is, as they say, um, they are the characters that live on Tatooine. You've got the sand crawler, that giant moving house sort of thing. Uh, they were doing that modern living tiny house movement across the nation driving house thing before it was popular here in the United States. They should be on HGTV. So that. when did you? Yeah, when did you decide to do a modular home? And it's just oh, do, 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 do. just like no, <laughs> oh, teeny. just speaking oh, trade. Um, but <clears throat> so they are uh, they're the little brown guys with the glowing eyes, and um, if you are one of those only watching the movies types, um, then in episode four, A New Hope, they are the characters that sell. R2-D2 and C-3PO to Uncle Owen and Luke Skywalker in Episode 4. Um, and the funny thing about the Jawas from the original Star Wars is that Star Wars just kind of morphs as time goes, you know? And so it's more cemented now, you know what I mean? Like, for instance, um, when the Emperor and Darth Vader die in Episode 6. That's supposed to be the end of the Sith in canon, right? So when Kylo Ren comes back, or Snoke or whoever, everybody was like, they've ruined Anakin's sacrifice! Their dark side users, they're Sith! And Star Wars had to literally come and be like, they are dark side users, but they're not necessarily Sith, so technically the prophecy came true. Like, the longer Star Wars exists, the more it has to figure itself out within that universe. But back when George Lucas first created Star Wars, he was like, all right, uh, this one's going to be pretty short, and this one's going to look like it's two kids on top of each other, okay? So if you go back and you watch A New Hope, you know, if you, for instance, if you watched episode two of The Mandalorian, entitled The Child, The Child, um, all the Jawas are the same size. But if you watch episode four, there's some that, you know, they look like a little kid or like, you know, maybe, you know, a uh, uh, dwarf or whatever. And then some of them, it looks like when the two kids from um, that one movie, oh my gosh, that has the He-Man Woman Haters Club in it. I'm just going to let you figure this one out. <sighs> I, I could bail you Little Rascals. Right oh, Adam, you cheater. And that's why he's here to help me. Uh, so uh, you got the two kids that they're the little rascals and they go into the bank and they're like, I'd like to make a withdrawal. <laughs> like, that's what the Jawa looks like. There's one of them that's like, you can tell that it really looks like two kids. Maybe it is. I don't know. But you can tell because as they're walking, the hands are like, <laughs> like flailing about. Like the person on top's like, stay still. Um, but anyways, that's just so silly. So that's who the Jawas are. They're those little, uh, little folks that they have those glowing yellow eyes and they live in a sand crawler and they sell trash robots for a living. It's a, it's a humble. It's not much, but it's honest work. It's honest work. Um, but 
the cool thing is that in legends at least um, what they look like under their little outfits was discovered and that's what this giant picture is um, so I'm sure we can always just put a picture in the dadgum video but if you can't and you're just listening online driving to work um, they basically in legends kind of look like a rat like they look like a, a disgusting slimy contemptible sewer rat that's a great mouse detective quote um, what are we laughing at? You're just like, they look like a rat. They're disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal. I can't stand them. They stink, and I can smell them from here, and I hate them. They're rats. They, they look like dirty rats. I don't know. Your your explanation on it just escalated very quickly. You, you dirty rat. You already got it. Chop my ball. <laughs> Ernest goes to jail. You guys remember that? Anybody watch Ernest Goes to Jail? Where he's doing all those impressions? He's trying to get his... We grew up in the same house. You know that, right? I'm talking to our audience. Okay. The silent majority of people listening to this is our audience. Um, so, yeah, in is Legends, it? they look like... Yeah, except for the two views comes from me and you checking to make sure the video's live. Um, so they look like these little rats. But think about how terrifying that would be if there really was a rat in real life that could stand on two legs and was three or four feet tall. Yeah. Uh, to quote a film that you appear to be overlooking is uh, The Princess Bride, Rodents of Unusual Size. I don't recall that quote. That's a pretty big theme throughout the movie, I feel like. Oh, really? Yeah. I've seen that movie. Anyway, oh, rodents of unusual size come up quite a bit. Really? It's kind of what you're talking about. I also think of, like, uh, A Night at the Museum 2, when Owen Wilson's character rides that squirrel. Or is it the, the Roman guy? I can't remember. Anyway, they, wrote, they ride a squirrel, but that squirrel's giant to them. Right. And I was like, man, squirrels are really that big, they take over the world. Yeah, and when they zoom in, and the squirrel, like, rears up on its hind legs, and it's like, yeah. With its arms, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, so in um, in canon material, which is you know obviously we talked about this a million times, but legends is anything that was written outside of Clone Wars or the movies themselves before the Disney purchase. So it, since then, anything that's come out, there's never really been anything discovered that's like here's specifically what they look like. But as I was doing some research, oh good one, I was. Um, Reading their description in the in the canon section on Wikipedia, so there's where all the knowledge comes from. But it says that and you in, know it's the best because literally anyone in the world can write whatever they want. So yeah, you know exactly. you're only getting the best information. Yeah, um, but it's the office, Michael Scott. Oh well, um, it says that in the description section that they are uh, nobody really knows what they look like underneath their cowls, but. They smell like wet rats. So so to, it's like, just say it. To jump a little bit ahead, but also it's relevant. In the story, uh, Stories from the Sands, that is in the 40-year celebration from a certain point of view of A New Hope. Yeah. It this is, is said that's that probably the most, most like fur. story we get. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because we have our main character, Jot. He's in his little hidey hole with his treasure hoard. Mm -hmm. He accidentally leans against the starboard wall, which, if you know anything about ships, if you're facing this way, it's the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. And uh, he leaned against it, and since it's Tatooine, it's the metal was super by hot. the sun. It was unbearably hot so to it touch, his fur. It, it cinched his fur. So they are rats. They're furry, at least. And they smell like rats. Perhaps. So you understand the uh, something else the implication that was kind of cool here that was mentioned is that they're given their robes at infancy, and they have that same robe their whole life. So are they when, just born huge? No. So what he said is that most Jawas will measure their height or their growth uh -huh. by how many times their robes had to be hemmed. He oh, that's said cool. an average Jawa has about five hems, and that our main character Jot only had two. Yeah, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. Yeah, he's like uh, the child of Jawas. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, full-grown man. <laughs> I'm saying just size-wise, he's little. Yeah. <clears throat> makes him special. Little guys can do big things, too. Ah, good, veg asparagus. good VeggieTales reference there. Thank you. Um, but here's a pretty cool thing. So um, I was looking at, of course, and here's the thing with, I was, I got into like this toxic Instagram debate the other day on Star Wars junk. Um but people were being like, this isn't real. And I'm like, 
Yeah. That's yeah, the point. Real, <laughs> it's a story, bro. And if you're that upset about it, you can go read a book from Legends or whatever. Like, the material's still there. They didn't, like... You know, Kathleen Kennedy's not up there like, burn the Legends books! Like, she's not, you know, Hitler out there burning other stuff that's not Disney canon. But, um, so one thing that's really cool about their Legends backstory, before we kind of really break into their significance to Star Wars as a whole and breaking down the story called Stories in the Sand. Um, but... Here's a quote. It says, uh, Through the study of corpses and skeletal remains, Baobab, xenobiologist, discovered that Jawas appear to be gaunt, rodent-like creatures with shrunken faces, which makes sense why their snout wouldn't stick out or whatever, um, and yellow eyes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Darth Jawa. Darth Jawa. That'd be dope. Um, and then it says, conflicting research, this is the part that I think you'll find fascinating, uh, yeah. um, conflicting research suggests that Jawas and Tusken Raiders, two species native to Tatooine, origini- originally have evolved from the same extinct species, the Kumunga. So uh, I did hear that story years ago when I was uh, just reading a magazine or I don't know what the crap I was doing, uh, but that that's why they're kind of like rivals is that... The Jawas and the Tuscans evolved from the same species, and the Tuscans kind of took, um, like, brawn over brains. Like, they're just violent. They're, they obviously grew bigger. And then you have the Jawas, who are more tech-savvy, who are more brains over brawn, heart over height type folks. Or uh, robes versus wraps. <laughs> Here we go. Um, it says... Uh, uh, they were considered to be from the same species as both have common genetic markers and other research uh, suggests that Jawas originated or devolved from humans. Um, so that's another interesting concept. I, if I had to choose, I like the concept of Tuscans and Jawas both being native to Tatooine and kind of branching off from the same root. I think that's really cool. Pretty neat. And they also kind of have seem to have a little bit of a relationship or rivalry just depend you know dependent on um what obi-wan says in episode four about how there's that jawa raid and it's made to look like sand people did it but only imperial stormtroopers are so precise you know what's kind of ironic about these broad stroke statements is how we see the mandalorian interact with them in the mandalorian series Uh uh-huh like he sees the jawas scrapping his ship and he's ready to so i started blasting Mm mm-hmm but then you see what the Tuscan Raiders and he's like, you know, talking to him. Yeah. Well, I think the the deal with that is the Tuscans are definitely a more immediate threat. Yeah, I just think it's funny that you think of the Jawas as the more intellectual, so you would think that they would be the ones you would try to communicate first. Mm-hmm. But he just starts murdering, and then the Tuscans, who you would think you would just have to start fighting, he's doing you know happy hands. I really, really liked. A lot of people didn't like that episode of The Mandalorian because it was just like, well, it's just a nostalgia box. But I freaking loved it going back to Tatooine, seeing... Um, You're talking about one of the foremost bounty hunters in the galaxy. He's got to go to Tatooine. Yeah. You got to. Well, I just really liked the concept that's like, of... That's like bounty hunting Mecca. The you got to go. Yeah, it was just very cool because um, <clears throat> I do like the concept of you can't just murder the Tuscans. You're, you're on their turf. You got to communicate with them. I really liked that concept. I really I liked also this. liked it when Din Djarin gave the young guy his, gave away his glasses. I thought that was funny. His binoculars or whatever it was. He was like, those are new. And he's like, yeah, they like them. They like them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Samuel, what is the significance of Jawas in Star Wars? I think, uh, I can't really think of a better analogy. And it works because they're mechanic type species, but they're kind of the lubricant to the Star Wars story. You know what I mean? Like we have we have a lot to the Jawas. For yeah. instance, in the story, Stories from the Sand, we have Jot, the story of a Jawa who is smaller than average, and they kind of describe his life in the sand crawler and mm-hmm. how uh, most Jawas know every millimeter of the sand crawler, and that's saying something because a sand crawler has a lot of millimeters. I thought that was kind of a funny sentence. And Basically, Jot found this little hidey hole right. that this is supposed to maximize space, maximize efficiency, but he found a little space that he could have all to his own. 
And funny enough, it kind of reminded me of a concept of how uh, Rail Avros thinks about the Jedi Temple, where there's basically no such thing as personal space, no such thing as privacy, because it's so communal. Mm-hmm. And Jot was reflecting on his time in the Sandcrawler, and how there is no personal space, there's no uh, privacy, and he yeah. didn't realize how much he needed that personal time and time alone until he found some of it for himself in mm. his little his little uh, dragon's hoard of things that he's collected. And so uh, it's, you know, just to make broad points instead of telling the whole half-hour story in half an hour, uh, he is a Jawa that values stories. He likes yeah. to hear about stories. He likes to tell stories. And so they find a bounty hunter's ship who's crashed, and he has a modified R2 unit. Everything from the dome down is absolutely ruined, but it was a specialized unit, so it has, like, a secondary power supply and memory banks especially for the projector. Right. He, he finds this basically projector, he takes it, and he yeah, calls it he, Storyteller. Yeah. So he gets transferred from, like, the line where he's sorting and collecting different things, which he initially liked because he could just toss things that he liked from the assembly line or whatever down mm-hmm. to his little spot. Uh, and he requested a transfer in the assemb- like kind of like the, the finishing room. So mm. they'll basically wipe the memory banks of droids that they're looking to sell. But he'll take those parts and he'll go back to Storyteller mm-hmm. and he'll see the stories that all those R2 units have to tell and he'll yeah. you know basically carry on their legacy for them. And he, because he had this one story about a crate dragon that he found with his family that he absolutely destroyed and over time he got bored of his own story, his like greatest, you know, shining moment. And he said or thought to himself that he didn't want to do the same thing to all these stories. So he watched them as few times as possible and because he had to wipe all those memories that he was like, I'm gonna carry those on for myself. He saw it as his duty to remember all those stories because he'd be the only one that'd be carrying them on. Because anyway. yeah, he needs to he needs to wipe the memory banks anyway, so that the new owner can start with the new slate. Exactly, exactly. So I also like that the little hidey hole that he's in. It's they describe him as so small, mm-hmm. and he's like the only one. He barely fits in this little space. Mm-hmm. So I like that little. He's got a little cubby. Yeah, he's got he's got a little spot. And it said that he was particularly drawn to a special R2 unit that was in pristine condition. It looked like the treads were changed yesterday. It still had paint, which means it hadn't been out there for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. It's R2-D2. He's obviously, yeah, he's talking about R2-D2. But his eye was drawn to R2-D2 because it was such in pristine condition. It was a, you know, everybody was curious. What was the deal? He didn't just have, you know, uh, stun mark blasts. He had actual blaster scoring, but Mm -hmm. he was in really good condition. So he was kind of an anomaly to all these Jawa, and so he was yeah. very excited he, he'd seen to seen some action, apart. but he was in good shape. Right. Which is not Tatooine yeah, style. exactly. And so you think about all the R2 units that could tell stories, freaking R2-D2. He stumbled yeah. upon, like, the most valuable storytelling R2 unit. Yeah, he talks about seeing stuff from when they leave Naboo. Yeah, he, all the way, basically, Naboo. he sees all Star Wars prequels yeah. up they, until the beginning of Episode Four. Yeah, they he basically, like... Just really quick bullet points talks about mm. stuff from leaving Naboo on and you know Pat Mayabadala's dope ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the droid foundries on ah, Geonosis. Yes, oh, very nice. So he talks. Uh, great, this won't work out here. No, they won't. We take some kind of Jedi lady and the like that, they won't work. Anyway. Mind tricks don't work on me. Only money. It's like the Conor McGregor of Star Wars characters. Those me gradually <coughs> floating up and down. My Remember when he goes, and then, and then Anakin fixes that droid and he goes, it is you. He's like excited. His wings do a little stunner. But yeah, anyways. Um, he, but yeah, so you see all the Star Wars. Yeah. It's cool because. He talks about, I think he talks about, um. Seeing Obi-Wan and Anakin fight? He talks, yeah, he talks about seeing the Jedi fight or swords of fire and then they're using magic to fight each other. It was just cool to hear about it from the perspective of a Jawa, how somebody that didn't speak basic, only spoke trade. Now imagine you're this Jawa, you're Jot, and you're like, what gets you like just going in the morning is the idea of watching someone brush their teeth. Like, think about that. Like, when he's watching these droids' memories, they're on Tatooine. Yeah. So it's like, I think you know, what's he him, watching? Just dust? People I just think for dusting him, stuff? It says he was attracted to the stories in the stars. 
and he was emotionally moved the first time he saw the memories of that initial R2 unit yeah. because he got to see his planet from kilometers high. Mm-hmm. And he got to see like the last few minutes of the ship before it crashed. And that was kind of when he started to move mentally away from his life on the Sandcrawler to going on to bigger and better things. The story ends ultimately with him leaving the Sandcrawler and going to uh, Mos Eisley and finding a spaceport. He's, he's going to get out of he here. He wants to get out of there. He wants to. He has bigger ambitions, which I think is cool. It's a cool ending for Josh. It's very cool. But anyway, he finds our two stories. He's he's uh, examining them, and he realizes they're too valuable to be wiped. So he on purposes, on purposes, on purpose neglects his duty to wipe the memory. And so right. it was because of Jot's dereliction of duty that we have our two's memories to pass on to Luke. Jot single handedly save the galaxy. Save the galaxy. Dang, that's hardcore. He's also he's kind of that he's it's that kind of thing where he if this was legends, it would talk about how the force kind of like nudged him to do something different. Like For he sure. definitely has a moment where it's uh it's kind of like a nudging of the the universe or the force or whatever you want to call it where it's mm. you know what I mean? He just yeah. somehow he knows that these memories yeah. are important to the galaxy. Yeah. And you're coming from a guy who spends 90% of his time in a tiny cubby in a metal box in the desert. It's just, it's so cool because he has this moment of clarity where, and maybe seeing these other memories kind of opens up his mind to the idea of a world outside of Tatooine. I think about it as kind of like when, I don't know, you go and visit people who haven't really left their community. And you can kind of be a demonstration to the things that are bigger world. You know what I mean? You can... Yeah help them visualize a life outside of just their small community that they've never seen an example of. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of what Jot has. And if they're Amish, they just go buck wild. Yeah. <laughs> a la Kingpin. Was Kingpin Amish? Yeah, Kingpin was Amish. Oh, my God. Have you, you ever seen know? Kingpin? No. Oh, my God. He's DC or Marvel? No. King. No. King. What? The Woody Harrelson movie. Oh, no. <laughs> the bowling Oh, well, oh, Kingpin is a DC character. Right. But He's a Marvel character. No, Whatever. Let's talk about the Kingpin movie. Oh, no, I've never seen it. There the, you go. Well, the, like, yeah, one of the main characters, he's Amish. Do yourself oh. a favor and watch it. There you go. I never, I never even heard of that before. I consider myself a Woody Harrelson fan. Oh, my gosh. You ever seen White Men Can't Jump, Samuel? No, but I've seen Kingpin. <laughs> Dang. When did that movie come out? 96. Oh, my God. What's the what's the cover look like? Looks like an Amish kid with a bowl haircut. He's got a bowling ball. I had never seen that before. It's Is it a Netflix. comedy? Yeah, it's been on Netflix forever. Woody Harrelson, Randy Quaid. This whole time, you, I'm something. hearing the words Kingpin. I'm hearing Woody Harrelson. He's an Amish guy. Kid goes bad. And I'm thinking like it's a crime movie, like a freaking. <laughs> it's a shoot 'em up Chicago mobster movie, and it's a freaking bowling comedy. It's a bowling comedy. Well, was, there's why I haven't seen it. It's a bowling comedy. <laughs> you gotta see <laughs> them all. All right, well, now I have my there's homework like for the week. There's only like three of them. There's three movies? No, like three bowling comedies. Oh. You there's... got The Honeymooners, which is like the first comedy of all time. Yeah, that's kind of a... You got The yeah. Big Lebowski and you got Kingpin. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, so, <clears throat> here's a cool question I have for you. Do you think that Jot traveled to... Whatever world the off-world Jawas from the Mandalorian are on, I don't know. Who's who's to say? I think I just like it because it's kind of left open-ended. You well, know? Legends and Canon Material both say that they're from Tatooine. Like they didn't just mm. get there, but they, that's where the species originated from. And of course, Canon Material is the only one where they're not on Tatooine, and it talks about. Um, Jawas who were able to get off planet are now known as off-world Jawas. You know what I thought And that's what you have in the Mandalorian. Was that sand crawlers were kind of appropriated from abandoned mining companies, right? So they weren't necessarily Jawas inventions. So how did they get that sand crawler to the off-world planet? Maybe there's a mining company there as well. Or maybe since that's kind of been a thing for... I guess we'd have to look more stuff up of how long they'd have those ideas... But, know what I mean though? Yeah, but it'd be it, quite an undertaking. If you think about it, the sand crawler is like super rusted. Like I don't think it's a brown material by trade. It's probably like you know, kind of like the Statue of Liberty was not green always. I bet you it started out like a nice piece of equipment. So maybe the sand crawlers we're seeing on Tatooine and on 
whatever, I forget that planet's name where the Mandalorian meets the child. But I bet you that those those machines were very, very old. Well, that and, I don't know, if you ever see something, and it's kind of mentioned in this story that aesthetic was never particularly important to Jawas, but those sand collars, they were designed to be hardy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you've ever mm-hmm. seen like the casing on a military-type computer... It doesn't look pretty, but it gets the job done. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's kind of like you, even on <clears throat> on Earth or whatever, in the real world, when you look at mining equipment, it's just these giant tractors and stuff. And it's like, they're pretty slow. They're heavy as all get out. They're not practical for anything but what they do. Yeah. But they're super practical for what they do. Yeah. And that's kind of, they're still doing mining of swords. It's just mining of materials, yeah. metal materials, ships and things instead of... I also thought it was cool to hear about the Jaws perspective on the sand itself. You know, he was saying, he meaning the author, was saying that uh, people think of the sands as, you know, it's a barren wasteland. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's saying on a planet where moisture is so, uh, so devoid of moisture that moisture farming actually became like a a commodity. Mm. Like that there was actually businesses growing up on the lack of moisture on the planet. Right. Um, But... They think about the sand as really fertile because they're saying the sand goes all the way down that they believe there's more sand beneath them than there is sky above them. Yeah. And that underneath all of those things... It's a things, very, like, native... Yeah, that there's more history in the sands that could ever be ex- than could ever be excavated. Um, that, you know, the whenever the wind would blow sands, they'd find new stuff all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that was their livelihood. Well, it's interesting, too, because if you read... Um, Going backward to the whole Cobb Vant thing, it's Jawas that find mm-hmm. Boba Fett's armor. We assume Boba Fett's armor. And that's when uh, it's cool because, you know, that guy that's with Cobb Vant is looking for the quote-unquote good stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Jawas are like, yeah, you know, we've got these things here, you know. And he's like, no, I mean the good stuff. And he's, I can't remember if he pulls out a weapon or if he pulls out a stack of cash. But they take him to, like, this back room. And it's just, it's... It's such a con artist, Jawa type thing to do to be like, yeah, here's what we have. And then he pulls out a stack of cash and they've got this back room where it's like the really nice stuff. Well, and it took Cobb Vance influence to even get him in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had a good relationship with him already. Um, so that's pretty dope. What's our time at right now? Do you know? 32. 32 minutes? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Killing it. We could keep going. Um, so... Do you think that the off-world Jawas that we see in the Mandalorian have been there for a good while? Or do you think that's kind of an offshoot of... Um, that would be a cool little connection there. If that's Jot's like, little tribe. What if he convinces another Jawa or two to go with him when he leaves? I would think not simply because of why Jot left in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Jot left to change his life. Yeah, he didn't leave to do the exact same thing somewhere else. You know, He yeah. left to be, be his own little man. His own little Jawa. Yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to hear all the stories. He wanted to write them down. He had ambitions. He had to learn some languages though, because nobody's going to read uh, oh, stories about the galaxy written in trade. Jawa. Not even sure if it's a written language. Yeah, who even knows? They could just speak it. Yeah, it might just be a spoken um, language. Well, it's interesting because he, how tall would he be then? So if an average Jawa is guy. what do you think? Like three feet tall? You know, something like that, which is five hymns. So if you take two hymns is, you know, 20% uh, of that or whatever. Uh, what's, 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 uh, or 40% of that? What's 165 millimeters? Oh my God. All right. Let's do some math. 165 millimeters. It says o- ov- overall height is, is 1090 to 1065. Average height is one meter. So Average mass is 30 kilograms. So one meter is basically three feet. Come on, uh, Star Wars was written by an American. Let's just keep it. Let's keep it. <laughs> keep it in this the correct system. Okay, so um, three feet, and it's five hems. So if he's, two I don't think f- it's necessarily a mathematical. If he's two, certainty. I just I know I'm just saying just a guesstimation. If he's two fifths of that, so two fifths is forty percent. So he's he's under a foot and a half tall. Well, yeah, but... Th- okay, He's so as short as this thing. Think about... They say that it's hemmed all the way in. Like, it's double-folded when they get their first things in infancy. Uh-huh. So, 
if that goes all the way, they're twice as tall as they would be as an infant, so he's 40% bigger than an infant. Right. But an infant Jawas, who Who knows? knows? Who knows? Do they even have fur? Are they just like little rats? Are they marsupials? Who knows? They're probably bald at birth. That's what I'm saying. Episode 27, Bald at Birth. (laughs) That's the name of this episode, Bald at Birth. Just kidding, it's probably going to be, ooh, teeny. I just, I don't know. I think Jawas are really important to Star Wars. They're very important, and I think that they're, uh, I think that they're very interesting, and I think that they have, they're they're definitely that brains over brawn type thing. Um, I thought... I don't They're kind of swindly, it's, I would it's say. It's cool to examine Star Wars from the perspective of a Jawa because we have Jot, who's the, yeah. the only Jawa whose head I've ever gotten inside in, so I'm going to keep bringing him up. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I think that's the only... Now that I think about it, I cannot think of another character that's a Jawa that you that's get even to named. Think. Yeah. I can't think of a single other Jawa's name. Yeah, I'm sure we could look it up, but off the but top of my head, He was it. saying... Basically, he was looking at things that were bigger than him but he was also saying that they were made up of parts. He said, to his estimation, everything in the galaxy was made up of parts. And if he could understand those parts, he could understand how the thing worked, ultimately. Yeah, he's so very... He just solved things very simply. You know, yeah. that even though things look really complex on the surface, he could just break it down into parts, and then he could know it. Well, yeah, I think it's he's got that mathematical style yeah. mind. Everything falls into the algorithm of Well, it's, it's more... Uh, it's more mechanical, I think, than mathematical. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying with a mat- mathematical sense of, like, everything falls into certain orders of things. Um, so, a uh, couple of questions for you that I just jotted down. Um, okay, so, could you live on a sand crawler? No, absolutely not. One, I need all kinds of time by myself. I get wiped when I'm with too many people for too long. Uh, How many also- people is too many people? I like circles of like no bigger than five to seven usually. Okay. How many people? How many Jawas on a sand crawler average would you just just off the top of your the head? The story said it was overstaffed, <laughs> so I would say a frick ton of Jawas. Imagine that, dude! And they all smell like rats. Stinks. That would be my concern too. Is does a does rat smell, smell bad smell. to another rat? Yeah, but you're not a rat. Yeah. That's what I'm asking. But if you could live the there. other here's the other thing was that, and do they poop? The story also said that the hallways and openings and passageways would have seemed oppressive to a non-Jawa species, and I can barely sit across this table from you for more than like an hour without our knees bumping. Hey, with um, I wouldn't make it. When in episode four, whenever C three PO is talking to R two D two, he's able to stand up in the holding cell. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else but is But I kind of think tiny. that is like the showroom floor, you know what I mean? That's where the... They just need that to be big enough for humans to come up and look so the they choice. can buy. Yeah. But the actual bowels can of you the vehicle, if you will. living in a room filled with C-3PO's? I kill myself. <laughs> imagine... We've both been youth pastors before, and Adam, for that matter. Imagine camp at all times. You're in a camp room. With a bunch of other Jawas at all times. Uh, if there are any youth pastors listening right now, I would like to pass on my no naps policy when it comes to camp season. That I way did they... not let my boys take a single nap. That way they have to go to bed at nighttime. Because they're exhausted at nighttime. We were the first cabin lights out every single night. <laughs> you heard it. The funnest youth pastor of the year award goes to Samuel. They had a great time in the day. We had a great time sleeping at night. <laughs> Perfect camp. Um, okay, second question. Do you think Jawas are smart? I think that they are their own type of smart. What do you mean? Okay, Albert Einstein said like that the everyone's a genius, but if you measure a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb a tree, you'll never think of it as intelligent. Mm-hmm. So Jawas have their own sort of intelligence. They're mechanically minded. Like Jot, they break the world down into parts. Mm-hmm. They're obviously business savvy. They are. You know, they're they, willing. They kind of seem like they're uh, they're selling you a broken watch. That's kind of how they strike me. Yeah. Their jock kind of breaks the mold. They're definitely the guy in an alley wearing a trench coat in New York City with 18 pocket watches stitched into the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a bird and a fish can love each other. other. When they try to pull a fast one on uh, old Uncle Owen. Yeah. This one's got a bad motivator. Yeah. Do you remember when he's like, what are you trying to pull on us? Push on us. Yeah. <laughs> 
dude, that's so funny. Okay, so I think that yeah, I think they can be pretty smart. They um, they definitely a Mandalorian have like a good group. They're very cohesive. Yeah. Also, they are efficient. Yeah. Um, in the story, it said that they found this bounty hunter, Jot's uh, storyteller's previous owner, who was a Mandalorian, by the way, unnamed, couldn't have been Boba Fett because he was already old and died before episode four. Jeez. <laughs> um, but I mean, probably nobody we know, but it's somebody with Mandalorian number. That's a point I of interest. I did not remember at all that that was a Mandalorian. Yeah. And so it said uh, from the stories that he sent, he had some sort of a family... But mm-hmm. he was, you know, kind of an old guy. He seemed kind of happy. Pretty unusual disposition for a bounty hunter. Um, Interesting. But uh, they found that ship. It was in great condition. It looked like it had just crashed that morning. And it said within an hour they had already stripped the whole thing. So it's like ants. Yeah, efficiency. You remember in the B movie key. when they're driving and it's just like, you know, like they're... they're uh, yeah. Their traffic in their cars was like, because of course it's a hive mindset. So right. as they're driving, Jerry Seinfeld's like, just da, 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 and all the cars, it's not like, you know, we have a red light and then you go and then it's you go. Like the, it's all at once, but they're so in sync that nobody ever hits each it's other. It's like the package, package sorting at like an Amazon factory. Have you seen those? No. It's, they're all on like conveyor belts and they're just, they're just going, man. It's really? incredible to watch. And people are sorting it? Yeah. Well, people are putting them on robots, and those robots are programmed with an algorithm so that they go, and they're not bumping into each other. Holy cow. Yeah. And they're all just next to each other? Yeah, they're just just going. Jawas. It kind of... So Jawas run Amazon. You bringing up B-Movie, to me, makes me think more of Genosians, which I hate, and I will never not hate. Oh, yeah. I do hate Genosians. I was just thinking of, like, the efficiency. Yeah. Like, remember when they're, like... Throwing crap at the Mandalorian, and they're like goading him to climb up. And then when they do that, they're like, and they shock him. Yeah. Like, they got a sense of humor, I think. Oh, they for sure have a sense of humor. Yeah, I can hang out uh, Jawa if I could speak Jawa. Jawa ease. I don't know if I could. I feel like they're kind of racist. <laughs> that's true. They are kind of racist towards the Mandalorian. I, yeah, I feel like they're racist against everybody that's not a Jawa. It's like Jawas versus the worlds. That's true. You know? Well, that kind of brings up this next question Who wins in a fight? Okay, now not just it, not just naked in the sand, but like a. Jo- I knew what this was gonna say before I read it. Tuscans, Tuscans with all their rifles and whatnot, you know, bullcrap, banthas, all that. Yeah, they're cyclers. Or Jawas. That's what with a Tuscan all their- rifle is called, by the way, a cycler. Yep. And then a, a Jawa clan, staffed or overstaffed, and with all their little knickknacks. In a sand crawler. If you've ever played Tatooine Hunt on Star Wars Battlefront 2 2005, you will know that the Jawas win this handily every time. I get that, but I'm thinking... I'm, every time. Outside of the hunt mode. Every time. I just think that the Jawas are too, they're too clever. And that's another reason why I wouldn't... The only reservation I have... And you never a, see, and it's a big oh, one. You never see Anakin killing an entire sand crawler worth of Jones. Yeah, but here's the thing: is that in Episode Four, whenever they go, it looks like sand people have killed all those Jawas, and so it was that was something that Luke was made to believe really happened. And if that wasn't something that was a normal occurrence, it would be weird. Does it make sense? I feel like it's easier to believe that the Tusken Raiders would launch an attack on the Jawas. Yeah. I guess the they just needed someone to kill the, the Jawa, Jawas. I think the Jawas are... They're too nomadic to be territorial. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The Tuscans are far more territorial. Yeah, the Tuscans are crazy because they believe that the water belongs to them. It's their birthright as Tuscans. Greedy. Greedy, greedy. Have you read Kenobi by John Jackson Miller? I don't think so. It's dope. It's dope. I'm going to watch the crap out of that Kenobi series. I'll tell you what. Also, here's a weird thing about Tuscans is that they have like, um, okay, like from Legend, you have Sherrod Het, who is a Tuscan Raider, who is a Jedi. Oh, of course, of course. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And then his son is Asherod. So it's like, you're Samuel, and then your, I guess your son would be Samuel. So it's A apostrophe, you know, Sherrod. Sherrod and Asherod. So what is Asherod's son's name? Asherod? I always wonder about that. Ah, uh, sure. Because they always had like Yark. They had in in the Kenobi story. They have Yark and Ayark. Yeah, maybe it's like. Uh, did 
Dang, maybe maybe that's like junior, but like uh, like they'd earn their own name through hmm. your accomplishments. You know what I mean? That is kind of how the Tuscans are based. It's all based on merit. Yeah, you have to earn stuff. You there is that up. story in certain point of view where those Tuscans had to do that rite of passage. They had to go fight that crate dragon. Remember that? Man, are we gonna, dude? Oh, okay. Remember how you said you were waiting your whole life to see a viewfinder, a uh, heads up display from you a Mandalorian? See through a... I want to see a crate dragon bad. No, I don't want to see through a Tuscan's eyes. I feel like I should be looking through a cloth. Be looking through some toilet paper binoculars. <laughs> That's what it's gonna look like. You just pull one of these numbers. Like you actually you. see less than you can actually yeah, see you, without your hands. Yeah, there. I mean, think about it. If you take do the whole upside down handsy number three thing, and that's a Tuscan. <laughs> now imagine shooting at people with that. <laughs> if it's the only world you've ever known. Now you want to hear a cool uh, fan slash conspiracy theory is okay. that Tuscans are time travelers, and in episode one when they're shooting at the pod race, it's because they know who Anakin's going to become, and they. They're trying to kill him before he can slaughter their whole village. I doubt it simply because that's one of the most closely guarded secrets in the entire galaxy. No, I, I, I know it's not real. I'm just saying it's a cool idea. Yeah, but I'm just poking holes in why it would never come true, even if it were true. Well, it wouldn't come true because they missed. First of all, time travelers should be better shot. Am I right? They've got all of time to work on their To aim. practice? <laughs> yeah, but you imagine shooting through this... <laughs> I, I cut the hole in this cannon, hold it over your eye, and you go... Yeah, but it's the only world you've ever known, so, you know. Yeah, I just don't so. think if you're more blind than usual, it helps. Also, that's one of the other things... How do you know that, that they don't have, like, high-tech optics in there? Because they're Tuscans. Okay, that is bigotry. <laughs> Interesting that you say the Jawas have a cloth from birth and they hem it as they go, because um, weird fact is that Tuscans... You know, they obviously have their raps going on, and they marry, and you only, like, the only other person to see your face, obviously, like, when you're born, but as soon as you're able to, you have that mask on, and your husband or wife doesn't even see your face until you guys are married, and on your wedding night, you're allowed to take your Dang. your cloths off. Better hope you're lucky. Dude. That's what it's like <laughs> dating like, during this better, pandemic. Better freaking hope you like her personality, because... I mean, me, me and Adam are sham wild. Me and me and Adam are safe because we met our wives before. God forbid you meet a woman right now, Samuel, and she's got a mask on, and she has pretty eyes, and then she has a mustache. You know, maybe just for the rest of the world, we'll have to wear masks, and then it'll even out. Nobody ever sees your face. Nobody, not even me. <laughs> Y'all go to kiss, and it's just over a mask. Mm. You just oh. hear like fabric rustling. Uh, so so anyway uh, if y'all are single out there be careful right now because there's some you might some get shysters. Bam- some bamboozled so yeah uh, I think that I think Jawas wins in a fight Tuscans wins in an ambush fun fact about the Jawas cloth is that they always wear it because it keeps them from dehydrating it keeps the moisture in so it protects them so to me that kind of sounds like Tatooine is more of a dry heat than a, uh, you hear that, Tim? It's a dry heat. It's a instead of a humidity type thing, which makes sense because they're moisture farmers. Yeah. So it's an arid, an arid type place. That reminds me of a time that I had to do a, a geography quiz in high school, and we all cheated because the teacher left the room, and he was like, "This is why you fail because you never actually study the curriculum." Yeah, that was Mr. Yordi. You guessed it. Yeah, I had a feeling. But yeah, that makes sense. That's really that, so. That kind of adds to the whole rat stink, I would imagine. I guess just bottle it up, <laughs> like Bear Grylls, just like cy- cycling their urine. Ugh. You drink it and then you pee it out and you shower with it, and then you carry it around in this dead snake skin. <laughs> carry it around your neck like a like it's a live snake, but and it's then full if a wild dog pee. attacks you, you just fling it at them. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, well. First Ugh. butthole talk last week. Now we're talking about urine. pee and a snakeskin talk. Urine. I think we need to get back to opium myself. Oh, my God. That's definitely the most pure of the off-topic topics we've had. As far as cleanliness goes, as long as you dispose of your tools properly. Have you seen somebody on opium? They are not clean. <laughs> they're asleep. You know what they're covered in? <laughs> Their own feces and urine. 
<laughs> You're right. That's enough butthole talk. Um, so, yeah, Jaw was very cool. The rats slash hermits of the desert. and um, But very cool. And then you got that little guy, Jot, who's just kind of his own guy. Okay. Um, definitely breaks the... Just like... Breaks the ceiling. Just like the Jawa Jot is responsible for keeping the integrity of R2's memory banks intact. Mm -hmm. We have the Jawas on the planet with the child and the Mandalorian mm -hmm. that bring them to Kuil, who ultimately makes some of the things possible. Because they don't they don't find him until the ship's dismantled. Am nope. I wrong? Kuil's episode one. Oh, yeah. When he's hunting down so. the... The asset. But they kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it, it brings them together. Yeah. The fact that he's stranded there for a bit. Yeah, Quill. Because he would have just left. Man, RIP. He would have just left and Quill would have never gone with him. Yeah, very true. And then we would never learn how one can earn their freedom with the work of their hands. What a cool line. Well, all right, that's probably it for today. Who knows what other mysteries the Jawas have solved inadvertently through their avarice and greed. Wow. We went a whole episode without a dictionary word, and you just had to pull out avarice. The avarice never ends! All right, if you haven't watched The Grinch, go watch it. And if you haven't heard him say the avarice and looked it up on your own, go ahead and do that, and then come back and we'll talk about it. Real that avarice. That movie is chock full of vocab words, by the way. It is. But it's so silly. Don't you feel like this is all kind of superfluous? Yeah, but as you're right, watching Cindy it... Lou who? Yeah. As you're watching it, you're just scoping by. We're getting way off subject here. So thank you Are guys we? for tuning in. Episode 27 of The Shit Sanity, all about your best friend, the Jawas. And uh, we will see you guys oh, in the near future. We May missed the, the force opportunity be with to you. say that we jotted down some notes. <laughs> May the force be with you. And remember... The only family. Hey, shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your dirty mouth. Whether you like it or not, the only family you have here is me. I like how your lip does a little quiver when you do it's that. because I feel it in my soul. <laughs> he I goes, the only family you have here is... Sorry. Can we do the sound again? No, that's all right. Bye. See y'all next time.